what's the difference then once you have had that mapped? It's totally changed for me, guys, my thought life and the way that I am kinder towards myself. When you walk around thinking all of that is you, that's a lot. And it's also not true. And so it's not all of me. That's a part of me. What it does is it, for me, it took the pressure off. Friends, it's Morgan, and welcome back to another episode of the Become Good Soil podcast. We are immersed in a series of conversations about the internal parts, sort of the internal family system within the human person. And we have a really fun, life-giving episode to dive into today by way of introduction to just start us out in Psalm 5. There's a verse that says, in the morning, God, you hear my voice. I lay my requests before you and I wait expectantly. But there's a different translation. um, There's a different emphasis in multiple translations that says it this way. It says, each and every morning, each and every sunrise, God, I come to you and I lay out the pieces and parts of my life on the altar and wait for your fire to fall upon my heart. Friends, I want to be curious with all of us around the globe about these pieces and these parts set within the human person. In Renovation of the Heart, Dallas Willard says that the individual, like the group, is often divided into incoherent fragments. And he uses Proverbs 25, 28, as an illustration for this, where it says, like a city that's broken into and without walls is a man who has no control over his spirit. With that in mind, we're exploring this idea of how do we relate lovingly to the internal parts within us? And it's those phrases like, part of me wants to do this, part of me doesn't. Part of me feels this, part of me doesn't. Or a phrase like, I wasn't myself, or I didn't find like I was being myself. All of those are windows into the deep work of becoming aware of the internal parts within us. And as we've said in an earlier episode, identifying those parts, integrating those parts, organizing them around God and being sustained over time by God as we continue to mature and grow in our path and process of masculine initiation. So with that in mind, I want to welcome some brave friends of mine. Grant and Isaac and Tony are all fellow chimney sweeps in this work of masculine initiation. But to the listeners, it's important for you to know that I have to out Grant because he is a counselor and he does this work professionally and he's helped me. He's helped Tony. He's helped Isaac respond to the father's initiation to do even more deep integration of the parts. And so he runs Good Soil Counseling. You can find it at goodsoilcounseling.com. Not directly related to Morgan Snyder at Become Good Soil, but sure indirectly related because we're all apprentices in God's kingdom. With that said, Tony, Isaac, Grant, welcome brave fellow like-hearted warriors to the podcast. It's an honor to be here. Thanks, Morgan. Guys, so you were um, drug in here because somehow I think you said yes, not even maybe knowing fully what you said yes to, but uh, you know, all out us, we were all to become good soil intensive in August of 22. And I taught a session on the overview of parts work as an idea, as a toolkit, as a way to integrate the human person. And actually, that was episode one of this series, much of that teaching. So our listeners, if you haven't heard that, pause here and go back to episode one. That's essential as an introduction for this conversation. But Isaac, Tony, you said yes. You tracked 
down Grant and you've been doing the work that we're talking about. And so it was Grant's idea to say, hey, rather than just an interview of me with Grant, what if he brought in some of his brave clients and ask you, you guys questions? Like, how'd you get here and how's it going? So that's kind of the heart of it. So I'm going to turn it over, Grant, for you to just quarterback this four-way conversation. Um, but Tony, Isaac, like first first reaction before Grant takes us into questions, like first reaction of um, why are you here and why is it worth it? I think for me, this, this actually feels like a playground um, because we start most of our sessions that way. Um, even just as I've connected with Grant over the last year and Grant, just a, a really fun little tidbit is we started a year ago this week. Um, All right. so it's just, it's pretty cool. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so as I was reflecting on coming to this conversation, it does feel a bit more like a playground because of the reps we've put in, um, and doing the work. And some of that was leading up to the intensive and a lot of that was just covering some miles in life and, um, needing some more tools. So this feels fun because I, I don't feel like I'm out of my depth in terms of this is all been a part of the process of yes. what we've covered together. So this feels fun to me. So great. Yeah. And I'll just echo on that, that, um, about a year ago now is when Isaac and I had our first conversation where I was going through a tough time and Isaac used some language and guided me through uh, um, meeting a part of myself. And I didn't know any of this stuff. And I, it just rocked me. And I was like, what just happened? What does that mean? Yeah. And I actually was reacting to an email that was part of the application process for the intensive that recommended some next steps and said, hey, you should connect with a counselor. Yeah. And I reached out to about seven that were full. And then I finally got the grant's name. And he was <laughs> gracious enough to, uh, to at least have a conversation. It's the only guy with room. I get it. It's so good. Uh, well, and, and I, when I'm thinking about your lives, obviously in this session, we'll, we'll get into a lot of the specific context for the work. But I'm thinking, Isaac, you know, three young kids and just all that that surfaces of the young places in you know, your own soul. And then the context of your chimney sweep in a professional space, it's just, it, there's a lot of triggers. There's a lot of opportunities. And Tony, I think of, you know, married four kids and just even how you've shared with me of lots of young college students in and out of your home over the years. And I just think of all the parts of mm -hmm. young people in and out and just colliding together. You know, it's a, it's the perfect context to get curious of, problems in the world reveal problems in our own soul. So I'm so glad that you guys jumped into friendship and really sought the safe um, older brother refuge in Grant. And uh, Grant, you've just done this work with a lot of people in me included, and I really respect uh, and appreciate your work. And so where would you want to take us if the goal was to give our listeners more visibility on this model as a toolkit mm -hmm. for our slow and steady apprenticeship. Where do you want to start? Yeah. I mean, first off, what, what an honor. And, uh, I just think it's super important to realize that I came into this model <clears throat> in my own counseling session too. And when I was being guided through this, it just was, I would say one of the easiest ways where I left a session and I was like, holy cow, it's actually not that hard to really get in there and get deep. And I just didn't necessarily have, I don't want to steal some of the, the phrases that I've heard from these guys, but I just realized that I had so many, like I was more willing and I just didn't have that toolkit to like go in. And it was just the easiest, simplest. Uh, I, I say that with uh, maybe quotations because it's not always easy. It is easy and it is simple, but we sometimes make it challenging, but it's just a beautiful way to access the heart. Yep. And so I came in where I was like, oh my gosh, like I just can't see. And there's plenty of modalities of all this stuff, right? It's not the thing, but it's a really beautiful where I was like, wow, I don't know how I could not do this. Yes. Um, so that's my passion of this where I'm just like, I just think it's the best thing that I can offer professionally, but even just in my own heart. Um, 
so I'm just I'm just overjoyed to be there and for um, yeah to see what I don't know how it can help our listeners or your listeners. So I would love to start just with story. Um, I was asking these guys of hey, how did you find IFS? Um, like what what role did it play? How did you stumble into it? I know we kind of um, talked about it a little bit here, but Tony, I wanted to pass it to you because you sent me a little recording. And just interesting to hear your story arc of where were you at? How did you run into this? And then we'll get into the now later, but just walk yeah. me through how you found IFS. Yeah, I mean, the, the, the simple story really goes back. Um, I, I want to share this as simply as possible in the sense of just, just a regular guy. I'm reading a lot of the content. I went to my first Wild at Heart boot camp back in 2019. I remember John Eldridge at the end of that, closing it out, making recommendations like, hey, don't go back and try and do this all in a day. Don't go tell your wife everything in one sitting. Um, and then he's like, hey, and you all probably need some counseling. You should go get that. Most of you probably need that. <laughs> and I remember hearing all those things like, check, check. Uh, yeah, that's for those guys. Uh, and just thinking like, I don't, I don't really think I need that. I don't, and, and just feeling in leaving that, that event, feeling all that stuff, but then still going back to life and being hit with things and feeling very individual. Like it's me and what I have to do and it's all of me. And I went several years with that and even applying to the intensive was a really big deal because I had to wrestle my own mind of like, I've been reading this content, I know the right things, but like I can't seem to break through certain things I'm struggling with. And that's why I chose to, to want to come and apply to the intensive again. But in waiting for that to happen in the pandemic, uh, interrupting that. So there's this long delay. It's really interesting, I think, what God was doing and just kind of humming along, dealing with all the things I'm dealing with, the things that are challenges to me, the parts where I feel like I'm failing or just not. I, I kept feeling, and I remember I said this to you, Grant, I feel like I keep hitting a wall and I can't get past it. And I was just a guy sharing that intimately. And Isaac and I met each other in the, the essentially the waiting room of waiting on these Zoom sessions as applicants, and we connected as like-hearted brothers who've been reading a lot of the same material, listening to the podcast, like just, just trying to consume the stuff, but being dads, being guys in our chimney sweep, just trying to go at it. And, and yet I'm still struggling. I'm still having these issues, but it feels like all of me. And one day I'm sitting in my office and I'm a doer. I, I get stuff done um, and I can't work. I, I remember sitting I was sitting in a couch that was facing a wall and I sat there for 30 minutes and I've never done that in my entire life and I couldn't work and I was just overwhelmed by emotion and is, I'm not like a normally like super emotional guy. So I was like, what is this? And after that, I, later on that day, Isaac called me. He just called me just to check in, happened to catch me, totally random. And I was beat and I just shared with him openly. I'm like, Things aren't right, like I'm just really struggling, feeling like this backpack is back on my shoulders. And this is an image that came out of original boot camp, something I've wrestled with for many years, feeling like I get prayer, get rid of it, and then it's back. And Isaac just asked this simple question. He's like, well, have you ever thought about like asking the backpack for some space? And first off, I was like, I want this thing. This, I wanna get rid of this. Why do I keep struggling with this? Why would I, A, personify the backpack and B, <laughs> ask it for space? What the heck is that? It was like he was speaking another language. I was like, I don't really want to do, what are you talking about? And he's like, hey, I'd love to just take you through if you're willing to just drop in, use the phrase drop in. And I was just game. I was literally laying on the couch and I was just so beat mentally and spiritually. And he took me through a little like session and had a conversation, asked for space, discovered parts, and it was like, blew my mind. And I got out of that just like, what just happened? What was that? And he said, hey man, you know, I've been getting some counseling as I shared with you with Grant, and I really encourage you to check that out. It's parts work and it's really helped me. And I just think there's a lot more there. And hey, I'm, I'm not a professional in this, but you know, brother, you should really, he encouraged me to do that. It took me another couple months to actually get to it and do it, but that's where it started. And that entered a journey where I learned this, that 
it's not just me. It's not, it's not all me. It's parts of me. And I can have conversations with these parts. And it, somehow that was like this massive relief, this rescue of, holy cow, that's, there's way more to this. And there's a process for this. And I started getting hungry and wanting to learn more as I was preparing to go to the intensive. So that's my story. That's how I got into it. Um, and then the rest is, it just got got richer and putting in the reps and doing more of the work to, to as you say, Morgan, all the time, like um, subscribe to the process or agree to the process. This felt like alignment of so much of the language over the years of this is what these guys mean when they say like, submitting a decade, a submitting to the process, a different path. I can't solve this problem in a day. This isn't about like one big healing session. This is about a relationship with my heart and breaking into parts. And so that blew my mind. And I just have to say, like I'm sitting here, you guys can't see my my face, but I just have this big smile on my face. And I think that's one of the, my favorite things about this model when people have that aha moment of like, holy cow, there's so much more to this. And what if this backpack, like for example, Tony, and correct me if I'm wrong, but what if this backpack isn't inherently bad, but it's like this part of me that's trying to do a thing. Yeah. Trying to, and I would even argue it's trying to keep you safe, you know? Yeah. On, okay, well, what is that? And how can I even just start dialoguing? And I think my piece is because I think God has created us as relational beings. It's a lot easier to access this thing that you're feeling by like a relation, a, la a relationship and a dialogue rather than how are you changing your neurotransmitters? Like that's a little heady versus like, well, like I love that Isaac said that. Well, I don't know. What if you just tried to ask that? What if you consider the backpack a part of you? And what if you just tried to ask it for some space? You know, um, yeah. anyway, and I just think it just opens up a huge, correct me if I'm wrong, but it just opens up a huge avenue of like, whoa, this is like doable. Yeah, and as you've always said, Grant, I, I was your classic guy uh, holding a shotgun in my hand against all these things, just very frustrated. And you you showed me I was holding a shotgun and like, hey, what if we put down the gun? And what mm -hmm. if we engage these parts with, with a different approach? And I think that more than anything has really revolutionized how I engage with my emotion, how I understand my heart and my parts, um, how I deal with brokenness and my relationship with the father. Mm. Yeah, and I think just... just to clarify that of like, I think oftentimes we go to war against these parts of us, like, oh, here's this backpack, there's this thing that's wrong. And what we realize is that like, like we're actually like trying to go to war versus almost like a relationship or a negotiation. Um, I don't know if that, is that what you're talking about? 100%, yeah, yeah. yeah. Which oftentimes if you're trying to go to war against this part of you that's trying to keep you safe, it's kind of kind of dig its heels in because it's trying to help and now you're trying to kick it out without getting the lower healing of how it's trying to help you. I think that's anyway. one of the deepest revelations of the parts work is that what we often find is dysfunctional relationship within us in some version, right? We, we, mm -hmm. we try to shut something away. We try to push it down. And that's where you even see guys manifest in like habitual sin where you go, most of me is really healthy. And then there's this thing I chronically find myself doing and we try mm. to shove it away. But the reality is if indeed those things, those, there are parts of who we are, the only path to well-being is integration. And so we can spend a lot of energy shutting something down, cutting it off, denying it, dismissing it. But it's not until we have a worldview that what we're feeling and thinking is valid and the activities of our life are rooted in something that's actually valid, some core desire that's good. Mm -hmm. And so how do we learn to, um, what, what you're teaching us, Grant, is healing the relationship, becoming aware that those parts are not bad, no bad parts, but they need to be integrated, they need to mature, and they mm -hmm. need to play, take their healthy place in our soul as a man. All right, Isaac, how about you? Kind of same, same question. I know that you, uh, seems like you, you had a little bit of a sense even before Tony of parts, but just walk us through, like, how did you, how did you stumble into parts or kind of what roles it played? Yeah. Um, 
I think it was kind of coming to the edge of my understanding of how to interact with my interior life and starting with some of the categories of true self, false self. And as I took multiple passes and started to get some awareness of where just on a service level, I could identify where that those parts of me were at play. Um, and then even listening to, I remember listening to the uh, soul craft with Sam Jolman episode and like starting to dig in a little bit more of beginning to have some curiosity about my internal world in, and more than just broad strokes, um, general, just general aspects. And so now I think it was really starting to realize that I, I needed some help. <laughs> like I, I didn't have the tools to understand what was going on inside of me, uh, in a way that would be truly helpful. And so it kind of took just life events. And, um, for me that came about in the series of just some challenging family dynamics with my parents and, um, and it felt actually like an invitation. It felt really kind from the Lord to go. Now is a great time. <laughs> um, and, and kind of as Tony was saying, as I was mid process of applying for the intensive and the nudge was, we think every man should spend a season of time with a counselor. And so the things just aligned in such a way in my life where um, some big emotions were popping for me. And I was in this moment in my life of going, these relationships in my life that I know are really important and hitting some challenging, um, just relational dynamics. And I'm caught with my wife going, how do I make sense of all of this? And I'm, I'm feeling extreme emotions, but I, I'm not able to dig much deeper than that. And so that, that was kind of my beginning place was going, I know enough to know that I can see my false self at work in these different relationships. Um, but I don't know more than that. And so that was kind of my introduction and I didn't know parts work. I didn't know IFS before I started connecting with you. And so it, that kind of began my journey into, um, getting more language and understanding of even just the different parts of who I am. Mm -hmm. And Isaac, can you remember or even reflect, um, do you remember what it was like as you started? So here you're signing up for counseling. I start yapping about parts and like just wrapping your head around seeing your internal system in mm -hmm. like as parts. Like, do you remember anything about that? Yeah, I think there's even a little bit of the like orientation to what am I signing up for? Um, you know, because this, there's all the, um, ideas of what it means to engage in counseling, but then there's the reality of it. And so I don't even know what I don't know. And from the onset as I'm going, okay, I have to like process my story. Like what exactly am I after here? And I remember in, in one of our first sessions, slowing down and, and kind of pinpointing a very specific, uh, maybe memory or emotion and you're helping me identify the, the part. And so for me, it was this slowing down and, and really not being in a hurry of, we don't have to cover your life story in one session. We don't have to cover every traumatic event of your life in one session. And that just felt so kind to go. There's, there's plenty of space to, to start becoming a student of what, I eventually began to realize was, um, a small community of parts, but really like we actually have permission to just zero in on one and we don't have to, we don't have to talk to all of them. Mm. And for me, what was so helpful about that was, um, it gave me a sense of just being okay with where I was at. Um, oh, and then what the memory that I was thinking of was, I remember being also so frustrated by that. Of it, it was like you invited me to go climb, and I and like I remember telling you this is, hey, it's like you invited me to come rock climbing with you, and I showed up, and you're like, oh, by the way, um, we're climbing Everest, and <laughs> and that was my like 
that was my initial reaction is like, I'm starting to get some awareness and I'm just overwhelmed by the landscape. And you're like, well, well, hang on, hang on, hang on. Yes. Like we are climbing. Um, and sure, maybe you're climbing Everest over your, the course of your lifetime. Um, but I'm going to teach you how to climb. And, and that's kind of the point and the goal of this is I'm going to give you some tools to learn how to climb. So that way, if I'm with you for this part of the journey, um, then you, you have some knowledge of how to navigate the landscape, but I'm not going to be with you the whole journey. So, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. so the learning how to climb for you is synonymous with just dialoguing with the parts, like finding a trail, identifying the parts and just because, okay, wow, if I can see these parts, I'm finding all these emotions and they might be different. I, I use the term trailheads where, yeah. okay, here's this thing I want to go understand. And so what are the parts related to that? And so just because there's a whole bunch of trails that could be really overwhelming and like, oh my gosh, that's Everest. Yeah. Is that what you're saying? But, and yeah. so like, okay, well, let's just learn how to climb. Let's learn how to like identify parts, have conversation with the parts right. and find that deeper healing. Doesn't mean you have to hit every trail, but that you're now equipped as a climber. Is that? Yeah. I, and, and that's, I think that's the crucial, um, nugget in here is just that there is a skill to learning how to navigate your heart and identify an emotion and, and how you're feeling it or experiencing it in your body um, and and start learning how to engage that part of you um, versus before is just like I would have an extreme reaction or extreme emotion kind of come over me and I would have no bearing or sense of what do I do with this or mm. where do I, where do I go with this? And so it, it gave me some skills and some tools to go, okay, here I'm experiencing something. Um, how can I actually kind of bookmark this and come back to it later to, to dig a little bit deeper, to get curious about it. Hmm. And guys in this conversation for our listeners sake, I, I think a lot of people will be brand new to this idea. Mm-hmm. So like, Tony, could you just give us like a brief example of what Isaac's describing? So, you, you know, unique and universal, right? It's always unique for each of our stories as a man and it's universal. Can you give us some visibility to here's an example of something I felt where I identified there was this part in the process and, and, and just to kind of a little bit of modeling of how to, um, interpret what's going on inside. I think the best example I'd give you, Morgan, is starts with simply just saying, hey, what part of me is up right now? Um, I communicate a lot with Isaac and Grant just all the time, even through text. And often one of the things we'll just say is like, hey, what's up? Or when we check in, hey, what part of you is up? And so it really can start anywhere. And for me, that was really un, um, unnerving because I wanted to figure it all out. I wanted to learn the things and have it all so then I could solve my problems. And it's really not about solving a problem. It's much more about relationship building and and moving from like a two-dimensional reality to like a three-dimensional relationship where it's much bigger than I thought. And so the example I would give would be um, when I started with Grant, I had huge feelings of being overwhelmed. I felt this pressure on my shoulders and I had this, I called it the overwhelm. And these waves of emotion would come. Um, similar to the example I had shared earlier with Isaac, but then um, I it would just kind of come out of nowhere I'd, or I'd wake up in the morning and I'd just feel like I'm carrying all this pressure and I couldn't get out from under it. Yes. And um, wanting to get rid of these things. And um, so Grant helped me identify um, that feeling of overwhelm as like a park, a part of me, like this, this backpack that I mentioned earlier and kind of talking to it and, and asking for space and working through that of like, Hey, what's going on? What are you feeling? And writing out that as like that as a protector and that protector has kind of ways in which he interacts. Um, and through that, even identifying other protectors, um, that are related to that feeling. Um, and so like the next one that got identified for me pretty, pretty quickly was like this critic who I have this picture of like Anton Ego from, um, Ratatouille, the movie, who's the food critic is like, that guy is my guy, Mr. Critic. And he's the one, uh, beyond the overwhelm as we dug into that 
one of the things that was behind that was this constant feeling that whatever I'm doing, I need to be somewhere else. So if I'm talking with you, Morgan, this critic is saying, hey, Isaac's over there and you're not talking to Isaac or your wife really need, you're not being attentive to her right now. And so it would prevent me from being present to you, Morgan, because I can't focus. And I just have this like nagging in the back of me that whatever I'm doing is not enough. And I've got to do more and be more for more people. And so it kind of blossomed pretty quickly and identified, okay, I've got the backpack and that's related to my, this sense of overwhelm and burden. And then I've got the critic who is constantly telling me what else I need to be doing. And that is leading towards my striving in many ways. Um, so I don't know if this is, this is what you're looking for as far as an okay. example or not, but um, then quickly this kind of imagine like, I imagine like a blank canvas started getting filled with parts and I started naming them and putting visuals to them. Um, and, and that led towards like, as we went into deeper other emotions and things, um, this kind of like punk kid of mine who I call Rage Against the Machine because I grew up listening to that. And so he's my angry part who is just frustrated. He's kind of like a teenager coming of age, 12, 13, 14. And he's the one who often gets very angry and feels like he's fighting for anything that's unjust. And he loves being like really big against injustice, but not like injustice in the world, anything that's injustice to me. Mm. Um, and so uh, very selfish, selfishly defined. And so by identifying these parts, I started to identify these protectors and why they were there and engaging with them and literally asking for space, but just understanding them better um, in order to get at who they were protecting which yeah. is these little guys, these little parts of me um, from my past and these young, young, young parts of me, um, which are exiles. What it's modeling is the temptation, particularly for a man in the effort to sort of figure it out, is to yeah. meld all these parts together and come to this decisive conclusion, this is who I am, Mm -hmm, this is yeah. what I'm feeling. This is what I need to do. But it's it, the the analogy that I use for this that's really helpful is when, you know, you're painting as a little kid and you have red and yellow and green. When you mix them together, at the end you get brown. No matter how many colors, which colors, you end up with brown. And that's what we do with our internal system. We take these beautiful, important, valid, distinct colors, and we try to like blend them all together. And all we get is the color of excrement, to put it bluntly, right? <laughs> Instead of understanding, we have this palette of colors. And so you just articulated something for us, Tony, of like identifying there might be a situation where most of you, you know, you're in your chimney sweep and you're confident and you're doing well and you're negotiating a project or you're leading a team. But then there's this rage against the machine part that's yeah. trying to assert his head. And he might commandeer the bus and drive a meeting and you go, what the hell was that about? Or he might just be this nagging voice of just angry at other people, not allowing you to have it your way. But the point is he's not the main player, but he needs attention. And like you said, often he's protecting some more vulnerable part of you that actually in many instances, hasn't really come to Christ in a sense of he hasn't been integrated Yes. deeply in the life of God. And so then we start learning that where we, then we start tuning in and we go, we, we don't invalidate our maturity. And at the same time, we don't invalidate the part. Mm -hmm. Grant, yeah. where do you want to take us? Yeah. So Tony, just to follow up on that. So what's the, like, what's the benefit then? Or what's the, what do you do? Okay, so now you have this map and you have a couple different colors that isn't the color of manure, right? You've been yeah. able to identify, but does that change then you're in the meeting and Rage Against the Machine comes up? Like, is, like what's, the, what's the difference then once you kind of have had that mapped? And I mean, for you yeah. specifically, like, have you seen that change things? Yeah, that's a great question. I think um, absolutely the, it's totally changed for me guys, my thought life and the way that I am kinder towards myself. Mm. I, hmm. 
when you walk around thinking all of that is you, just like you summarized there, Morgan, that's a lot. And it's also not true. And so it's not all of me. That's a part of me. What it does is it, for me, it took the pressure off of being like a good Christian guy, you know? And I now, now it changed it to where I have this ability to engage and not be overwhelmed. So whereas before mm -hmm. I would be overwhelmed by the experience of what was happening, I'd be in that couch and feeling the, the overwhelm, the burden, and I would literally be emotionally overwhelmed so much like I'm stuck in a space and I'm just like something, another part of me is taken over the bus and I'm just like crouched down in the back of the bus. Like, I hope we don't crash. Like that, let's call that overwhelmed. I think what's changed is that's not often the case anymore. And as Grant has, has taught, you know, it's like there's overwhelmed on the far left, then there's blended, which is like the next step. Then there's self-led and like true, true self. And Grant, I remember when you told me, Tony, the goal is self-leadership. It's not even like all the way. It's just, just, just get to self-leadership. I would say today I'm able to lead myself through these things more and have more blended experiences, way less overwhelmed, way less where a part is taking over the bus. And I'm like, wow, what just happened? Um, and so I think that looks like me experiencing these waves and then saying, having a reaction that is not frustrated or angry or, or feeling like I'm failing but mm -hmm. rather having a more curious or, okay, I, I know who this is. Um, mm -hmm. I know this is this guy. Um, okay, okay. And, and, and often I don't wanna deal with it. Like I'm just full honesty, like just cause I know <laughs> doesn't make it always easy to engage the part or always want to go down the trailhead. Um, and Isaac, you know, you, you've been there with me through some rough stuff and you know, there's times I'm just not, I just can't go there. And so I don't want to make it sound um, like rainbows and like it's so easy always to go down, but at least I am aware. And for me, just being aware that it's that part, it just lowers the pressure. And so when I am ready, when I do want to drop in, when I do want to engage the part, I now have language with which to talk, whereas we weren't speaking the same language. A, I wasn't even aware he was there. B, we weren't speaking the same language. Now I'm aware and I have a language, I have to choose to wanna to engage. But to mm -hmm. me, that changes to me to be more like, okay, I know what's going on or so-and-so is trying to take over the bus and I am free, like God made me free. And in my true self as a man, like I don't have to let it take over. Mm -hmm. And I now have ask for space or engage with it or find out what's going on. Why are you so angry about this? What's underneath yeah. this? What are you afraid is gonna happen? And then from there goes conversation. So I could give an example of conversation whenever you want, but that's the answer to what you're asking, Grant, is mm. it's just a totally different world I'm in now and the pressure has reduced. And for me, I needed that desperately. Yeah, that's beautiful because I think there is, ultimately I think the goal is that if we can work with Rage Against the Machine to figure out why does he feel the need to really crank and flood you with anger in the middle of a meeting, right? Like that would be great because then we could actually go to the other part, the more vulnerable part that he's so afraid of either getting hurt or you getting flooded by. That would be the, the great goal is that he doesn't have to work so hard. But even if we don't do the full deep dive in the healing, I think what I hear you saying, or maybe some, maybe I can just say that how I sometimes say it is rage against the machine starts to become a consultant in that yeah. room to you where it's not just, oh my gosh, I'm not a good Christian guy. Why am I getting mad here in the meeting? It's more of like, oh, interesting. And I make this goofy sound, huh, if we could just huh a little more, right? Like, huh, I wonder why this part of me is flaring. He's usually kicked up about injustice. Oh, hey, buddy, are you thinking that this meeting is going, that there's like injustice in this meeting? And then it's almost like part of a team, even if you haven't done this huge, deep healing and excavation, but just knowing that it's a part of you that's trying to help in that meeting, I just believe, and I think what I'm hearing you say is it's just a little freeing where you're like, oh, okay. Is that just allows you to be you more. Dead on. And, and I'm discovering who I really am mm. because I've now allowed that. Meaning before I knew all this, I would say that 
I would just kind of become that guy. Yes. And I don't, now that I'm aware that that's happening, now what's left, like it's almost like math, like what's left there is true Tony. Mm-hmm. And again, I, I may not always choose the path, but it I'm aware and now I'm discovering more like my true heart and who I really am. And that's every time I do that, I feel like I'm giving myself um, more authority and um, I'm building trust with my parts mm. because I've made that, um, I've made uh, traction or headroads into that space and, and they know I'm not trying to suppress them or shove them in the back of the bus. Yeah. Now they have a seat and so now I'm able to build, you know, some trust with them. Mm. Um, and I think that's proving that I am, like there's true me, um, yep. and that's what's left. That's cool. Yeah, and one, right. of the, one of my favorite little isms is you've given him a walkie-talkie, like he has a, he has a seat, he has a walkie-talkie, he can get your attention, but he doesn't need to jump in and drive the bus. Right, you yeah. know. Yeah, and to our listeners, like, what, what we're naming, because th- some of these ideas might be brand new and it might feel like a lot, just kind of backing up to 15,000 feet. We're learning with curiosity how to cultivate healthy internal relationships, believing mm-hmm. that there are different parts of us within ourselves that aren't integrated. And so some of these terminologies are really helpful. Like Tony, when you said to learn how to be self-led, it's, it's really important to make the distinction. We're not talking about self-rule. We're not talking about mm-hmm. talk therapy with, with mm-hmm. this um, self-help model. We are looking to unify the human person as a man and have that person be organized around God and sustained by him. And so self-led is, is much of what I opened the podcast with this Proverbs 25, 28 idea is when we are fragmented, we are like a city without a wall and we have no control over our spirit. And so the alternative as we mature, Tony, what you're describing is the true self in you, the wholehearted part of you is in charge of the bus in love, seeing every part, acknowledging them, letting them be heard, honoring them, but not letting them commandeer the bus. And so I I love when you described it in the old days, kind of without this working model in the false self model is we would become that guy. In other words, the entire, our life would get commandeered by a small part of us because he's freaking out. He's literally trying to save us, right? It's the self-salvation project. I mean, Sherry and I, or Sherry used to say all the time, like, why does the strategist always get to drive the bus? Yeah. Mm -hmm. And I didn't even understand what she was saying for a long time until I realized, well, he was the most mature of our whole dysfunctional system in the false self because the strategist was my most effective way to save my life apart from God. He was my most well-worn tool, right? That personality. And so he would always commandeer the bus thinking we're, we're, we're in an emergency situation. We're going to die if I don't drive us to life. And now he'll rise up last night. I was in a meeting with a, with a, a new relate in a new relationship. And I could feel the strategist wanting to exert himself to bring some peace in a conversation that was really bumpy. And I just kind of noticed him and said, thank you. I don't think it's your turn. You're welcome here, but I think we're just meant to listen and just Mm -hmm. take in this man's story and to honor the space and not give a solution and just reflect back to him that we see like, man, he's got a lot of courage. And the strategist actually was not helpful and I didn't let him commandeer the bus. So I think it's just important to give some language to what we mean by self-led. And that's very mm-hmm. different than the self-life. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And this is not about hyper, you know, independence and the self-led life. I really agree um, with that a ton. And Morgan, one thing I think that's rising up for me is that strategist, oftentimes these parts of us think that we are the age at which they picked up their role. Okay. So that, that comes up a lot in parts work that when I first mm-hmm. heard that, I was like, what are you talking about? Yep. And now 
it's it's hugely illuminating to me. So so Grant, explain that for a first time listener. What do mm-hmm. you mean that part of me thinks I, forty seven year old Morgan, is still a little kid? What yep. what does that mean, and why does it matter? Yeah, and we could flush this out in a you know we could fl- we could really flush this out. But I would say a quick version is as as you as we're going along in life and we have these experiences um what i attribute to when john's talking about i, I believe it's isaiah 61 the lem shabbat the broken hearted i think a part of us literally gets stuck in these 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 scenarios that we go through and some are you know really really traumatic and some are just like little misses but either way there are sometimes these like little when we are young and we have an experience I think a, sometimes a part of us can get really stuck there and all in comes shame and in comes pain and, and any number of things. But here's this young, vulnerable part. And I just think that it's almost like a pause button where we're like, oh, and like a, like a freezing. And then in order for you to not get s- flooded with that either emotion of say shame or whatever it may be for that little guy, in comes this other part of you to try to protect you from getting flooded by that feeling. Does that make sense so far? So you're saying I have a I have a situation. Let's say um, well, you and I did a session, right? Where there was an age where I was a young boy and it was a swimming pool moment and with my dad, and I had a lot mm-hmm. of shame and I was flooded with self-hatred. And so yep. then the protector comes in, which can be the strategist, to mm-hmm. help me overcome my self-hatred, right? Mm-hmm. With this little boy. But you're saying now decades removed from that story, there still can be this strategist that comes in to try to make life work, that his primary goal is to protect this little boy that was traumatized in the swimming pool, not knowing that I've actually matured and big parts of me have, have healed. And that little boy is just looking to integrate with my adult self. Right. Absolutely. Yeah. And so oftentimes these protectors, like, like exactly as you just said, is they, they're so focused on protecting that little boy or protecting you from the emotions that that little boy's holding that he doesn't know that you're this adult man. He's been stuck in this role for so long that he still thinks you're five or he still thinks you're 10. And sometimes when you think about it, if a 10 year old was really driving the bus in the current life of an adult man in a business meeting, for example, that would be yeah. really scary. Yes. Oh, and we can start to have a little compassion for our, 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 you know, these parts, our false self that rises up because that would be scary. But guess what? And one of my favorite things is as you're doing these dialogues, when the protector gets to meet you and realize that there's actually like a grown, a grown a man, <laughs> like yeah. at the helm, it's really refreshing. Like you have to build trust, but a lot of times these protectors have been working for so long protecting that little boy that they're exhausted. And so when a part thinks that you are still that age, it's usually the age at which they picked up that role to try to protect you. And it's fascinating what I'm seeing now, Grant, in your language is there's a lot of men that pass through their 20s trying mm-hmm. to build a kingdom, make a life work, you know, get something going, make a name for themselves, and they scramble. And it's somewhere in their mid-30s, and if not, especially into the 40s, where that word of just the fatigue, right? Mm-hmm. I'm just tired. And I think with compassion, that fatigue that comes up is, is an amazing, in your language, trailhead to mm-hmm. get us to a part that has been working overtime for so long and it's not serving the internal family system right. that's meant to be our heart whole uniquely as a man in maturity in union with God free to offer strength in the service of love and so that fatigue is really you know it's a it's a warning light on the dashboard that's worth paying attention to Friends, I think this is a really beautiful stopping place, sort of midstream in this conversation that is part two and part three of this dynamic podcast series on parts work. So 
We'll pick up with the second half of this conversation. We'll conclude it with some beautiful um, practice with a meditation grant we'll be taking us into. And then we're going to go on to a live clinic, some more teaching, and just taking different angles and experiential ways of embodying the reality of this deep parts work within the human soul. And so for now, before we move to our extended time with God, I want to close this episode too in the series with this idea. I want to invite you to prayerfully consider where is it that you feel exhausted? Where are you tired? Where are you weary? I want to just invite you here and now Tune in to that part of you that might be striving, even if it's heroically, on behalf of protecting a younger part of your heart. So we have the protectors and we have the exiles. I want to invite you to be kind to this place within you. This is risky, sacred, and beautiful work in your masculine initiation. We are stepping into places of decreation and we are agreeing with God in the recreation of the soul deep within our being. And so pause with me, 90 seconds. Where do you feel exhausted, tired? What part of you is striving heroically? And what is the young part within. Let's take 90 seconds, locate that part, be curious about what God is wanting to say to the tired, to the weary, to the young. What is his heart to that part? And for that part, what does that part need? And what does it want to say to older you? Friends, let's take 90 seconds here be with God, enjoy the time. And I look forward to being together next time for part three of this parts work series on the Become Good Soil podcast. And all the pieces related to the series, remember that you can find them at becomegoodsoil.com slash parts work. Thanks friends. Well done.